0: your Friday breakfast podcast with capitalize so I'm Kirsty McGregor and today it's not Alex I'm your host Paul has stepped in as my co-host for one week only as Alex is on holiday which actually is quite timely given the biggest news headlines today as we record this on Thursday and tomorrow as you're listening to this are going to be about macro issues so no surprise what we're talking about today hello Paul
1: hey Kirsty how are you
0: I'm all right, thank you. Let's get straight into this first story, which, of course, is the interest rate rise up to 3%. And I lost my bet, actually, I know I'm going to put this out there, that I thought they'd only go half a percent. They didn't. They went for 75 points, which Paul thought they would do. But what was really interesting was the vote. So five voted for 75, one voted for 50, and one voted for 25 Interesting, I didn't look at who who voted for which, but I'd like to have a look at those people a bit more. Um, it is the biggest move for 30 years. It is the eighth consecutive rise since December. Uh, the uh, Bank of England are tightening the fastest they've ever done in their entire history. Some econ- economists are saying too much too quickly. Other economists are saying too slow, it should have gone faster last year. So who, you know, everybody's an expert, aren't they, Paul? Uh, We are predicting that unemployment is going to rise from three and a half percent up to six and a half percent in two years time. They are expecting the longest recession in history. They're predicting though, that inflation will fall sharply from the middle of next year. But they're saying they may still have to rise interest rates again. But they have specifically said not by as much as the markets are factoring in. Um, which is really interesting that they've put that out there, obviously trying to affect the markets. They have said that this is including some assumptions that the energy cost support from government will continue beyond the initial six months. And that's also down to whatever is said in the fiscal autumn statement on the 17th of November, which hopefully we will know more. Um, And they have uh, categorically said that this has got considerable uncertainties in it and the Bank of England will respond forcefully as necessary. Forcefully, that's the word for the Bank of England to use. And they're going to take whatever actions are necessary to return to our inflation target of 2% sustainably in the medium term. Which medium term, Paul? Is that 26, 27? Do they cost that as?
1: I think it's kind of five year plus, really. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, and you know, and that's in line with the fiscal, the fiscal, thinking as well. So I think, look, I mean, my view on this is that um, they may be at risk of being a little wrong footed, and that's why they put the ca- the caveats in around um, reacting forcefully if required going forward. Um last night, the Federal Reserve out in the US uh, continued with their 75-point uh, rate rises, um, and they've ultimately said that they expect rates to be higher for longer. And actually, that's uh, really unsettled the US markets. And if there's a challenge here, if the market starts to think that... Um, the bank of england won't be raising rates um and of course sterling will suffer as uh, can, um they'll continue to be flows into dollar assets um from pension funds and 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 sovereign wealth and the like and the flow of cash continues to flow that way and that will result in imported inflation through the currency so of course there are many 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 moving parts to all of this um, but i'm pleased that they went 75 uh, it personally hurts me it hurts a lot of us in the um in the economy but um inflation as those will have heard for me talk is an insidious beast and it does need to be captured um, and so we're better off capturing it and taking the pain we've talked about the tools that the bank of england um have up their sleeve and really they don't want to be driving unemployment higher as you said up to six and a half percent but the fact that people will be unemployed as brutal as it is will take demand out of the system and that will lead to inflation falling at least the domestic side of it so i think to your point about the split vote this is probably the most complex uh mpc meeting and they have four meetings in order to get to the point of the vote this vote uh, is probably one of the most complex meetings that they've ever had i would suggest you know possibly after Lehman um but apart from that you know if anything actually after Lehman it was easy what are we going to do going to cut rates this one actually is far more challenging so i'd suspect that we will continue to see split voting across the committee going forward
0: it was interesting that Andrew Bailey on the news conference looked um quite nervous actually uh And it was very complicated what he was talking about. And and to that end, I've actually, instead of giving you a news article as a link, I've actually included the Bank of England page itself. Because I think if you're not used to reading these and I don't read them to be honest, I'm sure Paul does, but I don't. Uh, But this one, I thought I'm gonna read this. Um, And yeah, it's fascinating to the level of detail and the complicated ramifications of all the different things they're talking about. It's just like, wow, that's that's a big bundle of things to consider. Mm So um, I'm feeling it um, in the corporate finance market slightly now. It's I think it's the uncertainty, to your point about if it's going to be bad, let's just get it over with, um, It is very much the message I'm hearing from a lot of accountants and a lot of businesses is if it's going to be crap, you know, just tell us and then we can deal with it. It's the uncertainty that is worse. And that's why I'm quite frustrated that they put this, um, which is now, again an autumn statement back to the 17th of november um and let's just hope we get that over and done with and then we can move forward and i think you know as always the message is planned with your clients as best as you possibly can but plan and uh, you know look at the credit scores which is our big thing uh that's making such a difference in the market at the moment and get them as resilient as you possibly can across their balance sheet
1: i think if i can just add one thing Kirsty, i think mm. um Something that the Federal Reserve initiated in 2008 is something called forward guidance, and many of the central banks have effectively picked that up. Yeah. And part of this rhetoric is forward guidance. Yeah. He's given some indication of rates, but I think the forward guidance that's most important is is, is that they are telling us that we we should be expecting five quarters of recession. Okay. Yeah. And that's the longest recession on record. I think yeah. ultimately, that's the forward guidance that we should be looking at. And um we need to prepare into that context that's the restructuring it's the balance sheet discipline it's the you know getting ourselves ready for when that turns and that is almost the inflation killer that's what he's hoping that's the forward guidance
0: Yeah, got it right on to our second news story and this time it is from the guardian And now it was from last week but um you know we, we're going to cover it because it's um it's going to be talked about quite a lot i think it's quite um quite a a, a staggering um, impact to some of our biggest tech companies. Um, And the story was specifically around the value of Facebook um, Meta, sorry, Facebook and Instagram's owner, Meta, Last week, um, I'd had $80 billion wiped from its value, which was a staggering 25% drop in valuation. And this article on the 27th of October was saying that briefly the shares dropped below $100, taking them to their lowest level since 2016. I checked today and it's $89.51. So obviously it's got far worse than even they were talking about last week. And the whole problem, according to this article, is that... Um, The advertising revenues haven't grown as much as they wanted them to. And the markets are unconvinced by Zuckerberg's, what he even calls himself, experimental bets that his company's future is in the metaverse. Um, This virtual reality world where they're going to be selling these headsets, Oculus headsets, and to be able to do VR. Um, So Reality Labs, which is the company's division in the metaverse, have made a $3.7 billion loss in three months and that loss they say is going to grow in 2023 markets don't like it and they're also saying like this restriction in advertising revenue growth is partly down to apple's privacy policies as well which are restricting them and it then brings in the other big tech companies such as google's parent company alphabet and microsoft which have also disappointed investors. But here's the thing. They are still growing, but they're just growing slower than expected. And the market doesn't like that. So, yeah, advertising revenues, Paul.
1: Well, look, two points. And uh, the first, um, slightly unrelated to the advertising, but the first is that um, for all those corporate finance uh, people and the people who are thinking about um valuing companies using a a discount rate. As uh, Bank of England rates go up, as Fed Reserve rates go up, those discount rates get higher. And the valuation, the forward valuation of uh, earnings from companies go down. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that is one of the biggest shifts from, you know, these growth FANG stocks, um, you know, on fantastic uh, EBITDA multiples from their valuations now being valued on Uh, lower valuations based on net present value of future cash flows and that will more simply apply to the businesses in which we all work with is that there is more surety more certainty in businesses that have got certainty in their cash flows than the volatility and those losses are just compounding that issue but i think to your point about the ad revenues is that um Rather than think about it from a Google, Facebook, Microsoft perspective, I think it's a a leading indicator that we should also be thinking about because Andrew Bailey and the Bank of England have just told us to expect five quarters of recession. What Facebook, Google and um, uh, Microsoft Microsoft are are seeing is that people are not spending in the ads and that's a super, super leading indicator um, supporting that dynamic of recession because this is picking up people at the clicks coming in and that can be really big companies it can be you know the Adidas's and coca-colas doing the clicks but equally it can be um, you know the, the the bakery shops and the and the people locally who are spending money in google deciding actually you know what i'm going to leaflet i'm going to go word of mouth i'm going to i'm going to pull those expenses in and so i think that that is a leading indicator that we probably need to carry on paying attention to and whilst we don't necessarily uh you know maybe we do maybe we don't want monolithic companies dominating everything ad expenditure will give us a you know a good insight as to what's coming in the quarters ahead Mm.
0: yeah i know and uh I'm just going to touch on this because this is really infuriating me about advertising this week. <laughs> it's that the government is spending quite a lot of money on radio advertising and uh, TV advertising, uh, which they're calling public service broadcasts? I don't know. Maybe they're filling the lack of ad revenues for the uh, the broadcasters but it's really annoying me that they're spending money on something that I don't think they need to. But anyhow, that's a political point. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to news story three. Um, Now, this is not a news story, actually. It's another podcast. Why would we share another podcast, I hear you ask? Because it's absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure lots of people listen to the High Performance podcast. They are putting out quite a lot of material at the moment. I mean, it's really ramping up. But uh, one that was um, a couple of weeks ago, absolutely worth listening to if you haven't already is with the PricewaterhouseCoopers PwC chairman Kevin Ellis go and have a listen to it I'm going to give you a bit of a a feel for what's in it but I I do not do this justice so you absolutely should go and hear it from him sounds like a really approachable I don't know him, never met him but a really approachable guy and um, came from um not a very you know usual route into pwc always said that he didn't feel that he was worthy enough and that everybody had a better education and so on so he's very relatable and um he starts to talk up to them about what happened with the pandemic and the fear around when that first hit so i think all accountants all leaders of firms can completely understand that um and empathize with what they went through um you know they've got twenty six thousand clients and thousands thousands of staff Twenty six thousand staff as well i think and they um they had quite a responsibility and he said it's it was a group effort you know we need all views um we took some um thought time to think about it around the, the boardroom table i expect it was virtual um uh, at that point they borrowed as a business to shore up their balance sheet for four months, and then they took the decision to go public in the press uh, to make an announcement to calm down all their staff to say nobody would lose their jobs because they knew that in the industry that they're in, they need their client, they need their team to be productive, as you will know yourself uh, working in accounting. So he, they wanted to make sure that they weren't going out looking for other jobs or they weren't worried for their job. And they needed to stay productive and still working, still signing the order reports, still doing the consultancy. And he does also mention the cash flow, obviously, for their clients. That was where all the clients were asking for support, um, much as they did across the whole country. Um, And he said, plus the fact, you know, we're a business with 26,000 owner-managed businesses, family businesses, PLCs. We needed to take the lead. We had a social responsibility to look brave for the rest of the country. And I just thought that was such... Such a powerful thing to say and what a position to be in, you know, but every firm in and around the country was in a similar position in their local communities. So I'm sure you can empathize with him. He talks about leadership and how a leader has to be willing to put a team of people around them, to balance out their positives and, and weaknesses. Personally, you know, they need some self-awareness to, to recognise that and still stay accountable, even if you are the most senior person in the firm. To be accountable to somebody, even as leaders, and how to create a culture to encourage feedback. Because, um, and another point which I find he talks about the lift, uh, going up in the lift, which not many of our firms have lifts, I don't think, in their building, elevators, but uh, they do at PwC. And he said everybody is always watching the leader. So be very self aware. Um, he talks about working from home, he talks about hybrid working, very clear stance on that. So that's interesting to listen to. Um, he talks about when they bring in their new trainees, and he was saying he had 2,000 new starters coming in, and the importance of social mobility for them and diversity, and also to get them to understand the power of their own networks, and how Gen-, Gen Z now are probably going to have portfolio careers and how to really capture their um, interest and their loyalty for longer than they might their peers might be doing. He talked about the mental health of the workforce as well, which is absolutely fantastic to to listen to that. And um, he said that they lose between, on a good year, 13% of their staff each year um, leave the business, uh, but it can be as high as 17%. So they're in the talent war, just like the rest of us. And and what do they do about attracting the best talent? Um, And then lastly, just, I suppose, the deep bit was that, um, you know, he said, we've got to leave a legacy. We've got to, as accountants, sustain the economy um, in the country because we're there to support businesses. And we need to think sometimes about the long-term win, not necessarily seeing those short-term immediate rewards, but think about what the impact is that you're going to have when you've left the business or when it's, um, you know, five years' time or 10 years' time. So, look, please do go and listen to it. Um, it's a really listen, you know, great listen, and um, I haven't done it justice, as I've said, but um, take some time out to listen to that at some point. There will be plenty in there that will inspire you, give you ideas um, in your own firms around the country.
1: Sounds like a great listen, Kirsty, and probably underlines really just the activity that the accountant community as a collective really executed on across the pandemic and obviously we saw that firsthand with things like leave no business behind and mm. you know the various other initiatives that everybody got involved in
0: mm.
1: which was just so impressive mm.
0: and i was listening to um Viple on the uh, from advanced outsource uh, outtrack oh gosh i've got the name wrong uh, advanced track uh he was on ollie's uh, webinar this morning and he was talking about the power of his accountant uh, to his family's business when he was nine his mum and dad had a business started a business and the importance of that accountant and the difference that accountant made to um to to his life as a nine-year-old you know the fact that it gave him the opportunities because that accountant gave his mum and dad great advice um and, and it transformed his life and that's why he wanted to become an accountant so I just think you know We go back to this thing, know your power, don't we? We say it a lot, Uh, but yeah, very, very good. Listen, okay, that's it for today. Thank you, Paul, for stepping into Alex's shoes and uh, helping me out on this. Here's a reminder for those that are new to capitalise. Our vision is to give small business and their advisors transparency and control over their business finance because we want every small business to be able to identify the risks that they might face, how they stand from a credit perspective, and if necessary, if they are going to go for funding, to make sure it fits their business. Don't forget, please, to rate and review our podcast. And of course, subscribe to make sure you get future episodes. Next Friday, we'll be releasing our latest interview podcast. So tune in next week to that one. But also, do take a moment to explore our back catalogue. We've got brilliant guests on there with lots of lessons and tips. And all of them, hopefully, giving you great advice for yourselves as a firm or for your clients. For more information about the Future Positive podcast and Capitalise, please check out capitalize.com. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks again for another episode of Breakfast with Capitalise.
1: Thanks, Kirsty.